Before I get into my homily, I just, uh, two things, I just want to explain two things. The first thing is my mustache. <clears throat> I know, it looks good. Right. Actually, <laughs> so the only reason, I mean, every time, like, it just seems to be this time of the year, uh, there's a, a group of us, pretty big group, there's 20 or 30 of us, and we have a murder mystery that we always do, like a party together, and for some reason, I always get chosen with the mustache guy, and it was my, my character was basically Doc Holliday from Tombstone, so that's who I dressed up as, and that's part of the mustache. And I, I know some people like it. I know some people really don't like it. There was one guy came up to me and said, he's like, this is why I like when you face Ad Orientum away from us. So I don't have to look at your stupid face. <laughs> it was a joke. But it does look kind of dumb. <laughs> Let's be honest. Anyway, in, in regards to, <clears throat> to Ad Orientum, uh, the way the altar is facing the bishop has uh, published new regulations that surround that. And the new regulations state that uh, only with his permission can you celebrate Ad Orientum. And if you do do it, if he does give permission, you can do it one Mass on Sunday. And so the 4 p.m. and 8.30, we had it face back around. <clears throat> and then during, on, on weekdays, you can as well. So I went and I asked him, I just wanted a meeting with them, and I just said, you know, we've been doing this for five months. I catechized the people. I gave them time to speak to me to say if they like it or not like it. And, uh, and so what, you, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, I want you to follow my regulations. And I'm like, yes, Bishop. <clears throat> uh, but I said, is there any way that we could continue to do what we're doing? And he said, how about just take November and December, open it back up. If anybody, let, them, let your parishioners speak. Uh, so if you like it, Please email or mail me, not the bishop. Please don't mail or email the bishop, <laughs> me, uh, either if you do or if you don't. <clears throat> and at the end of November and December, I'll look at that and take the consensus to the bishop. And he said, if it, if it is overwhelmingly that the people do want it, I'll just grant permission uh, universally at St. Joseph's to celebrate it that way. So that's the two things I wanted to explain. On to the homily. <clears throat> I'd like to think... As I was reading through this, you know, we hear the, the two great commandments, right? The two great commandments, we could also call them the two great rules. And I think that if you boil down Christianity to the modern secular person, <clears throat> you would simply say it's a bunch of rules. That's what religion is. That's what Christianity is, whatever. It's a bunch of rules. And this somehow, right, these rules, they don't agree with them. They see them as a hindrance to real life, and quite honestly, they hate them. However, Jesus never said that rules aren't part of religion. They are. And by the way, if your faith is just based on rules, if it's just external, because this is what, what we hear, like, the way that people view religion right now is just a bunch of rules, is the same way they viewed religion during the time of Jesus. And this is what Jesus hated about it. It's not just external rules. Yes, they're there, but they're there for something more than just a rule. It's way more than just a rule. And then I was thinking about this. <clears throat> rules govern everything in this world. Anything that's worthwhile, or that we like, or that's good, is governed by rules. Playing the piano well is governed by rules. Singing is governed by rules. Playing football 
Governed by rules. Playing any sport, as a matter of fact, is governed by rules. Why on earth wouldn't religion be governed by rules? I don't know. I was just thinking about that. I was one time, I'm a big Kansas uh, basketball player. I love March Madness. I I love college ball. And I've been a Kansas fan ever since. You guys remember Jeff Boshi? He was from Valley City. And when I was in college, I kind of got into basketball. And he was like, oh, I'm like, oh, North Dakota boy. You know, he's playing at Kansas. And I became a Kansas fan ever since. And I remember one March Madness when Frank Mason III was playing. He was a really good player for Kansas. And after the game, the announcer said this. I'll never forget it. He said, isn't he an incredible player? Not only was he the high scorer of the game, he had the most assists. And he only committed one foul. You see, you can play the game well. You can know the game in and out. But if you can't play it correctly, you're not that good of a player. I mean, he only had one mistake in the whole game. That's an incredible player. And then I think about this. When do people get most upset in a game? When the rules are broken. When someone cheats, like think about when you're watching a Vikings-Packers game, when do you get most upset? Besides the whole game. (laughs) It's when the Packers cheat and get away with it, which happens all the time. Here's my question. Why aren't we, we sit on our couches with our beer bellies and Doritos and scream at TVs about all these fouls that are happening And we say nothing about when people are breaking the rule of Christianity. What does that look like? I don't know. Couple living together before they're married. Throw the flag. Call the foul. Blow the whistle. But we don't. People say I'm Christian and they cheat and everybody's like, oh, I just wanted to be happy. That drives me nuts because part of being happy Happiness as an integral whole is being truthful, being honest. I think the problem is, the problem is, is there's not too many rules in Christianity. The problem is not that everybody's not following the rules of Christianity. The problem is, is nobody knows the why. Why do I have to follow these things? I'll be the first to admit that. When I was growing up, my mom is like, you're going to Mass. Why? You're going to Mass. Dad was the same way. No why. Just like a severe beating if I didn't go. Or ice water. Or, I don't know, grounding. Or, it was all these negative consequences. So like, when I'm there, I'm like, fine. I'm just going to stand here. Because I'm supposed to. It's not doing what we're supposed to. By the way. Parents, I encourage you to force your children to go to Mass. (laughs) But tell them the why. The why is really important. Otherwise, you're just constantly going to get pushback. You're probably going to get pushback anyway. But if you have a why, and it's a hard answer, you know. And maybe you feel that, parents. Your kids come with questions and you don't have answers. And that's why you got to just keep diving deeper and deeper into the faith. Also, I think it's a bit arrogant. I just, this is a little side point. So if you're young and you're here and your parents force you to be here and you think you know better than not only them, but then the Catholic Church, that might be like a tiny bit arrogant. 
Because the Catholic Church has been thinking about thinking for 2,000 years. The Catholic Church has been thinking about the happiness of the human person for 2,000 years. The Catholic Church has changed Western civilization and the history of the world. It might, 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 might know a little bit more than your dumb 16-year-old brain. The only reason I say that is because I was that kid. Man, is that arrogant to think that I know better. But anyway, I digress. Rules are everywhere, and rules are there to protect us. I got to thinking about cultures. Cultures have rule. Countries have rule. And if you know the why, you'll do it. But if you don't, most of the time you just push back. You know, I knew the why when I went to Ireland, why you had to drive on the left side of the road. Because if you don't, you'll die. So I drove on the left side of the road. Here's one for you, one I didn't know. When my brother and I were in seminary, we went down to Africa and we did mission work. While we were doing mission work down there, you know, water and taking a shower, you got to really conserve water down there. So you don't take a lot of showers and you certainly don't shave because that's just a waste. So I just, we just grew up these huge nasty beards, like neck beards, you know. And then we had, you know the black cassock that I wear sometimes? They make white cassocks down there. And so we had these sisters made us these white cassocks because it's so hot. And so we're going around white cassocks, big neck beards. And then right before we left Africa to go to Israel, we shaved our head. Now, I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this. Shaved head, huge neck beard, white cassock. Going to Israel. That outfit is like the outfit for radical jihadist Muslims. We got the, to the airport four hours. See, they separate us immediately, tore our luggage apart, took our film out of our camera, asked us the same question, see if our stories match. It was a nightmare. Guess what I'll never ever do again when I go to Israel? Wear a white cassock with a big neck beard and a shaved head. Because I knew the why. I understood it. So rules are not there to, to hurt us. They're there to protect us. But so few understand that. That's why G.K. Chesterton said, he said, Christianity hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Because <clears throat> if you just see rules, you're going to push back. So a couple things is this, you know, because I think that most modern Christians boil down our faith to simply what we hear today in the gospel. Just love God and love your neighbor. You're a good Christian. As if that's easy. Loving God and loving neighbor. So the first thing is this. That's not it. Love of God, love of neighbor is not it. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said it's the foundation. It's what everything is based on. It's the beginning, not the end. And the second thing we can get love of God and love of neighbor really wrong. And you know why? Because we're really selfish. When I say we, I say me too. So if I say love of God, if I take, I think because we're inherently selfish, love of God comes down to one word. What do you think that word is? You can, you can answer. Raise your hand. Yeah. Faith. I like that. That's not a bad answer. Not the one I'm looking for. Love. 
That's a good one. These are kind of ambiguous. But they're good. Jesus. Jesus. I'm not even, no. No, I hate that. Jesus, God, love. Yes. Sacrifice. We're getting closer. I like that. Selflessness. I like that. We're getting so close. I would say obedience. It comes down to obedience. Obedience is the one thing that we can give to God. It's the one thing that we possess. Free choice. And I'm going to tell you right now, out of everything y'all said, self, what did you say? Selflessness? Selflessness. Sacrifice. Obedience. Raise your hand if you think you're good at any of those. <laughs> we stink at it. You think we might need some rules guarding that to tell us how to do it properly? Yeah. Yeah, we might. And love of neighbor? I'd just boil that down to wanting what's best for the other. Willing the good of the other. And your neighbor is right next to you. Your neighbor is everybody in this church. Your neighbor is across the street. Your neighbor is your spouse. Your neighbor is everywhere. How many of us are really good at willing the good of the other all the time? We stink at it. We could use a lot of work. And so yes, there's rules governing all of this. You cannot boil down love of God and love of neighbor to just living life. If I hear one more time, like, I just know, we just need to love each other. Why? How? <laughs> How do you do that? And you know what the most common answer is? Oh, just be nice. Shut up. That's what I would say to that. Be nice? What does that even mean? But if you tell me, well, you got to will the good of the other. That means you got to forgive them. It means you got to sacrifice for them. It means you got to lay down your life for them. Now we have some guidelines about how to become good at loving God and loving neighbor. You guys, there's always a reason behind every rule. God gives them in the Bible. He says in Genesis, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because you'll die. Today in Exodus, we hear, don't oppress the resident aliens. Why? Well, because you were once aliens yourself. Remember where you came from. In John's gospel, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Why, Jesus? So you have eternal life. And the church does it too. The church does it all the time. But nobody bothers to ask or even look up or understand why we say these things. You know, don't use contraception. Why? Well, because it cheapens the sexual act. And it doesn't protect human life. It makes human life look like it's burdensome. Well, why should I care if human life looks burdensome? Well, because if human life is a burden and it's not a gift, it loses its dignity. Why should I care about that? Because if life has no dignity, we can kill it whenever we want. Yeah, that's a problem. Maybe we should protect it at the beginning. I mean, it's all over. Receive the Eucharist. Why? Because Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. We need all the help we can get. Don't commit adultery. Why? Well, that's an easy one because it's going to ruin your life. There's answers to every single thing that we do. All you got to do is go and seek them out. And in the end, you'll see it's not about rules. All of the rules are there for what? To make us good at loving God and loving neighbor. They make us good lovers. That's why St. Augustine said so famously, love God and then do whatever you want. Why? Because if you love God, you won't hurt him. And the rules are gone. That's real freedom, man. That is real freedom. So if you love, 
You don't need the rules. I'm just asking, encouraging, that everyone here just take a little deeper look at the why. Why do we do things the way we do? The Catholic Church has an answer for every single thing. And you might not agree with it, but again, I go back to what I said earlier. Just maybe, maybe, the church knows a little more than you.